0: Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear nasal spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean Not just rinse, your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. The Dr. Taz Show,
1: the podcast, Dr. Taz, Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today is someone deep in knowledge that I'm dying to receive. This is Artemis. She's the author of two books, including Renegade Beauty, Reveal and Revive Your Natural Radiance, and Holistic Dental Care. She's the creator of Living Libations, a luxury line of organic, well crafted non-GMO serums, elixirs, and essential oils for those seeking the purest of the pure botanical natural health and beauty products on the planet. Artemis is an innovative aromacologist, developing immune-enhancing formulas and medicinal blends for health and wellness. She has a lot of celebrity fans across the country, and a fun fact, she opened her first full-concept aromatherapy store in North America at 22 years of age. Congratulations <laughs> and welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you
2: on here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Well, you have such a story. Like, What inspired you to go into aromatherapy? What is an aromacologist? <laughs> and tell us a little bit about, about that journey in that field because Quite honestly, I feel like everybody nowadays is talking about essential oils in some form or fashion, but there's really an art to it and a science to it. And I think that's the part, just like so many things, gets lost when it becomes you know more mainstream or more commercially available. So talk to us a little bit about you and aromatherapy.
2: Thanks. Yeah, I feel like essential oils were this beautiful palette that I got to discover. Um, and luckily, that was actually in grade nine when I was you know, got to do, you know, in those moments, you got to pick your own project, which I love because I'm a very much a self-directed learner. And I did it on perfume. I found this book at the library that was about cosmetics. And there was a chapter on perfume. I was obsessed with perfume at the time. I had all the bottles and I would mix them together and do a lot of concocting in my bathroom. But it was so cool to read about perfumes and actually like ground them into like history and understand that they were you know supposed to be distilled from flowers and it all kind of made sense and they said you know what they used were these ingredients called essential oils Mm -hmm. and you could probably find them at your health food store so we drove into the city got the oils and that was the first time I'm getting those whiffs of jasmine Mm -hmm. and orange Uh and like and I didn't know like the difference per se of like synthetics and naturals and fragrances but I knew something was different right Like from what I was normally smelling and it just really a whole world opened up in that moment, but I didn't quite, I knew something was happening. but I didn't quite know what, and I recreated L'Air de ton, which was a perfume, maybe it still exists, I don't know, with um, essential oils at the time and, you know, had a great science fair project and then moving through teenagehood, you know, deep in again, like mixing things and taking my mom's stuff and mixing it or taking like white eyeshadow and crushing it. But these are all just playthings, Right. Um, and thinking that I'd like you know that there was green beauty at the health food store, or the body shop, and stuff, but then really understanding the whole thing when I got to university. And it was actually through food, I was skipping school, and Lisa Benet was on a talk show and talking about food and diet and the connection with the earth and the environment. And this was pretty like we'd never heard of that right. back then, right. And so that was amazing. And it really made me opened up for food. And like in a whole month, I literally just completely changed how I ate ate and um, never ate um, processed food again and and only, you know, strove to eat organic or wild. And, And I discovered the farmer's market and health food stores and a whole world opened up. And I started really understanding supermarket food labels and secondary ingredients and through like I had a book on reading supermarket labels mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called now and um and that just made me understand all like the body care was just bs and that it was like petroleum right dressed up in labels of yeah, lavender yeah. fields you know yeah. <laughs> and so I started making my own food but I really started making my own body care products as I was going to university and then at, while I'm at university I'm studying like such fun things like you know, like one of our textbooks was the beauty myth, or I'm reading about our bodies ourselves and understanding the horrors of IUD and things about birth that we could change and just this radical history of like women's bodies being experimented on and toxicities. And so it just really merged for me, this sort of, um, you know, wanting to champion women's health and women's bodies Mm -hmm. and really celebrating like all this beauty of the natural world. And then just, I had so much fun as I was going through university, just making... Lip balm and perfumes, and then you know, selling that to friends and family, um, and then people really having great results because this palette of essential oils were real active ingredients. Mm-hmm. You know, like in a way that I hadn't really known. And and not only were they these effective ingredients, but then they also spoke to emotions yes. and mental states, yes. and kind of I felt like a bridge to the invisible, invisible forms of life. Mm-hmm. So it just brought a whole dimensionality to a fun hobby anyway. And then I was also really obsessed with finding the raw materials. So maybe I'd read a book from 18th century Europe about recipes from antiquity or reading ancient Egyptian recipes and like, you know, looking at like why were they putting that with that? And like needing to smell and get a whiff. Hmm why these concoctions were made thousands of years ago so that really made me want to source and find the raw materials that i was reading about and so then also while university i started to import various essential oils into canada that weren't available like immortelle and angelica and as i'm getting samples in from around the world i'm also smelling a whole other different realm of essential oils that i wasn't getting in the bottles at the health food store wow And then seeing like it's like fine wine and that even a tea tree, which is kind of a basic medicinal oil, can smell really beautiful when it's, you know, art, art like distilled in the bush and like not mass manufactured and that kind of thing. So then I just had to gather all my own ingredients and then... Yeah, six months after graduating, because I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to make all this available through a store. And then I opened up North America's first full concept aromatherapy store. And we had this blending bar, and people could walk up and have perfumes made or even buy oils by the drop, because some of them really are about a dollar a drop, you know, like neroli yeah. or rose, that kind of yeah. thing, so it was really fun. Wow,
1: so, and that store, did it, uh, did you continue to grow that store or did that?
2: Yeah, well, when, and I had um, a business partner at that time as well, and we just, we ran for seven years, yeah. it was really fun, and then we just wanted to go different ways, yeah. and the internet, we had a website, we needed a lot of mail order, but the internet was coming, yeah. in, you know, for, for e-commerce shopping, and so i also saw that as a way to like i could leave the city yeah. so pause there i took a year off to kind of like because that was really quite a run from like sure. being a teenager yeah. and then i you know 29 and uh i kind of took a year to just sort out um and i wanted to just not become for a moment i know it sounds kind of but i just was like let's just pause yeah. And I just kind of caught up, but I really kept blending and, and you know, doing all these things. But then I was really deeply researching like about living in the country mm-hmm. and like how to make like a sustainable kind of economy, mm-hmm. which was helpful because then, you know, a few years later, here we are, you know, we bought like, then I met Ron and then we, then we created the next evolution, which is the present day living libations. Uh-huh. My store was called Osmosis Aromatherapy. Gotcha. And then, um, so that was sort of the next reiteration at 30. We started this journey together, and then you know, eventually moved to where we are now, which is in beautiful 200 acres, where we have springs, oh, wow. and spring water. Oh, amazing! I want to be there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> especially do. right yes. now. Yeah.
1: But talk to me a little bit. So I have so many questions. First of all, what is a, the aromacology? Is that a degree? Is that a certification? How do you become one? Give us. A yeah. Lesson.
2: I don't, I, you know, there is aromatherapy and different certifications, but really it is the study, like aromatherapy is applying the aroma to like therapeutic applications, which is pretty varied, but aromacologist is really studying and formulating, making botanical formulations Ah. for, you know, for many purposes, not just like therapeutically. Okay, You could be like you know, fragrancing a concert. I've like, I have even done a few like environmental fragrancing of different events or spaces, Okay, you know, that could be one avenue.
1: So they're aromatherapists that focus on more of the physical or the,
2: Yeah, like maybe you're going to have a massage, a lymphatic massage with oil preparation, that kind of thing. Yeah, I am an aromatherapist too, but I've never really practiced it because I was more, I was learning about it, but I...
1: Okay, interesting. I didn't realize that that, uh, difference was there. And then these formulas from thousands of years ago, give us examples. I'm so curious, like what what did the Egyptians use? What did they use? Because I mean, they're mentioned in, in the Bible and even in a lot of the different holy books, but what were... What were people using back then and where were they getting this stuff from?
2: That's a great question. I focus mainly on Egypt because they have a lot, like a Cleopatra, for example, had her whole room and then she had a whole distillation room on on like a part of her bathroom and they were making fresh rose water and all of that, like just as an addition to her bathroom. And, you know, in many cultures, specifically Egypt too, the, the, the priests, you know, I don't know if that's what they would call them, right. but the religious men usually <laughs> were, like, not always women, were also the perfumists right. in a few cultures because there was that union of, like, plant spirit, uh-huh. medicine, and, like, Holy Spirit. Wow! So that was what it was like in ancient Egypt. And so the ingredients were just so sacred. I mean, whether it was burning myrrh mm-hmm. at noon, like in the town hall, so to speak, like right in the middle of the town, there would be offerings of incense and these unguents and incenses were just so important to culture. I mean, there would be like banquets and then the doves would be like dipped in rose water and like flapping that on people's heads, you know, like the rose water anointing people. Um, So it's a real important part of the culture. And then they would do mixed distillations with things like wine or blue lotus and some psychedelic stuff or like mandrake. So there was that interspersing of the, the the cosmetics yep. in the food and enjoyment and then there's just good old-fashioned cosmetics and then they're macerating you know oils into um alligator fat for like for you know for beauty products and yeah. um, the whole embalming system yep. relied heavily on oils like cedar cinnamon myrrh to preserve the body so you, you can really tell these are potent substances yeah. and that's one i love them because there's you know really every oil to varying degrees, is antiviral, antifungal, right. antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. You know, all different sort of characteristics of that. And what I find so fascinating is there's this that level of kind of hardcore medicine. Right. Like I like to think of them as botanical biotics. And then there's just such a, a beauty to them that's so transportive. Like to smell a drop of neroli, which is distilled from yeah. orange yeah. blossoms. You know, like a whole grove yeah. opens up to you. Yeah. And so I just love that, even beyond like a herbal infusion or something, because they're just the essential oils in one drop have so much potency mm-hmm. and so much spirit. Well, how,
1: connect with us, you know, so many people use these oils for healing emotions, like fear, mm-hmm. grief, which is very dominant right now, or anxiety or some of those type of things. You know, how do essential oils and aroma what's the connection to our emotions? I mean, I can give you the scientific mm-hmm. explanation, but I'm curious what you would say kind of to that. Like, how does it relieve emotions? How does it help us get over different emotional barriers? You know, what, what's been that experience for you?
2: Hmm, And that's, it's so great because there's such a medicine, chest, such a palette to choose from depending on what you need. Right. And there have been scientific studies done showing like Bergamo does help to alleviate anxiety And, you know, Roman chamomile does help take us to sleep at night. So there are science, there's science behind a lot of these things. Um, But also I feel like it's the power of the aroma to keep things moving, to keep the emotions moving, to bring them out of stagnancy. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And there's that kind of almost intangible emotional aspect, but it can always be taken back to like the physiology of that molecule Mm -hmm. traveling into the nose, tickling the hypothalamus, Talking to the limbic system and then sending and then activating um, sig- cell signaling for other molecules to be released, mm-hmm. and so that's you know how it's working on the body. So even if you can't smell and get that beautiful pleasure from it all, that molecule is still going to be uh, working on the body.
1: Fantastic, that's amazing. Well, you have and some of my notes that I, I received on you, you you like talking about microbiome and. <laughs> the skin having a microbiome and hygiene, and especially at a time where, you know, we're worried about hygiene and our immune systems and all that other stuff. And I've been talking about the microbiome for a long time in connection with gut health and belly health. You know, it regulates everything else. And that's in Eastern medicine, Middle Eastern medicine, all those different systems of medicine. You know, where does aromatherapy, aromacology fit into the conversation about microbiome balance, whether it comes to skin or gut or any of these things?
2: That's a great question, and yeah, I love talking about the microbiome. Mm-hmm. and they really are the molecule that we need right now, or the substance we need right now, because it does seem by all appearance that they're selective. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we talk about the oral microbiome, right. which is a very active uh, part. It's obviously connected to the gut microbiome. So what they're finding with some essential oil, well, with all essential oils is that they're able to act as quorum sensing inhibitors. QSI for short, mm-hmm. um, so which I know you know, but this, so they go in and they're able to um, prevent pathogenic bacteria from you know, gaining traction and communicating and uh, you know all that and the gene expression, all that. so they're yeah. able to inhibit that overtaking of the of, of bacteria that we don't want of the bad bacteria and yet they're able to work with beneficial bacteria without disturbing them so in the mouth it can help clean up and eradicate the pathogens mm-hmm. they can break through biofilms in ways that antibiotics can't and they're able to play friendly with the friendly bacteria so they're not like these indiscriminate assassins like an antibiotic is which is just coming right. in taking it all out they're actually selective, which is exactly what we need right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so it's so an interesting application that I read about a couple of years ago was in Europe in um, chicken feed. Yeah. To, instead of like using antibiotics now, they were putting oregano essential oil into the feed. Huh. So that, yeah, it was helping, you know, helping uh, prevent disease, but then not not wiping out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, um, yeah. So then to have that microbiome regulation for us, is it ingesting oils? Do you believe in ingesting oils? Is it using them topically? Is it inhalation? I feel like there's a lot of confusion around that.
2: There is, for sure. And because of the new popularity, or like well, I guess new in my sense, because I've been you know, working with them for a while, but like the resurgence. Um, because of like multi-level marketing and stuff. Mm. So sometimes the marketing is good. It's good marketing, but it's not necessarily accurate. Mm. Or it's creating trending that, you know, isn't so good for the whole industry, especially when things aren't pure and authentic. Interesting. And there's so much adulteration of essential oils. It's really, it's so crafty, you know, even from, it's not something I totally study because like I'm not interested in synthetics or adulterated or nature identicals you know, I learned a lot about that in the nineties and, um, I'm sure it's only gotten sharper and sleeker mm-hmm. in the adulteration thing. Um, so for example, with our oils, we will put up like third party testing on all the oils mm-hmm. just to, so once we get them in from our distillers, but I've also been working with my distillers for over 20 years yeah. and, you know, it's like, they're really fine distillers and that kind of thing. But when we're getting mass marketing, you know, when there's mass marketing, it always seems like something falls off the wagon. Right. There's some kind of dilution or adulteration. Right. So I think ingesting essential oils is good. But when it's marketed really popularly or with not authentic essential oils, that's when it's sort of getting into questionable territory. Huh. So for ingesting, it has to be, you really, you know, you just got to think about it and and know that we're used to like kind of chugging and glugging things in our culture. But this is like drop by drop. Right. Like one drop. Got it. So you can put a drop of peppermint in your water, in a glass of water, and drink that. But some essential oils, you know, they have to be diluted before you use them internally, mm-hmm. like cinnamon, oregano, clove. Those are gonna burn, yeah. you know, the skin and, the, and you know, and your mucous membrane and stuff. So that's important. And of course, if you're putting it in your body, you wanna ingest it. I mean, sorry, you wanna make sure it's real and authentic. Right. That is key. Also, I think culturally, we think we have to ingest everything to to receive the benefit. But applying the skin or inhaling, those molecules are going in the body, and then they're not being um, sort of broken down by the digestive system.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So sometimes that's, well, more often than not, that's the better way or through inhalation. Because then you're, you know, getting it into the body in a different way, and it's not being digested with all that, you know acids and enzymes and all of that. But that can be a different part. I mean, there's some studies that show how palmarosa essential oil is very good for candida Mm -hmm. and the gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. So another thing that somebody could do is you could pop open a capsule of like uh, vitamin C. You could put a drop of palmarosa in there, put the cap back on, swallow it, get it deeper in the belly. Or, you know, if you are going to take something internally, maybe you need to do it with a touch of olive oil Mm -hmm. or coconut oil or honey. Mm -hmm. So those things, and again, it's one drop of, at a time. And it's all the oils that, you know, you're generally thinking of in a culinary way. Yeah, And they all have to be distilled through cold press or um, steam distilled. Yeah. There are some oils that are distilled as an absolute use for perfumery and stuff. Those I generally don't recommend for digestion. Yeah. But I also have an article on culinary things too on our website. It has like the current list of about 80 oils that are... Are, are deemed as uh, g- grass, generally recognized as safe. Got you. So yeah. cold distilled are okay for ingestion, not- Yeah, cold sorry, cold pressed or steam distilled <laughs> okay. or a supercritical extract- okay. Um, which are generally just all referred to as essential oils, but hopefully where you're getting them from would just say the distillation, the country it came from, the Latin name. Those are all things you want to be seeing when you're buying an oil.
1: So are you growing everything for your oils and for the brand Living Libations mm-hmm. there on your property?
2: Oh, I yeah, I wish we could, but we really need the whole right. world and all the <laughs> climates. And yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so we have about 30 countries okay. that, that we that we bring in things from like madagascar or venezuela like uh, you know france wow uh, indonesia gotcha Bali, yeah it's just so many so all over the world it's fun wow and so what is you know there's a
1: lot of mlm essential oil companies right now and i'm curious what's your sense are those do they have good quality products like how does somebody go about picking a brand of essential oils? That is pure, not adulterated. What should they look for? Like when I talk supplements with people, I often talk about reading the label. And mm-hmm. there are yes. things you can look for on the label of a supplement to start to do a little bit of sifting is yes, this is what it says it is, or someone subjected themselves to higher standards. How do you do that with oils? How do you know what to pick?
2: Yeah, there are. So when you're buying it, so on the label or on the website, you want to see country of origin, how it was distilled, What part of the plant? Is it the leaf or the flower, that kind of thing, or the root? The Latin name, because those, you know, you can have a totally different oil with a different Latin name. Like there's one called Immortelle, and there's like 20 species, but really it's the Helichrysum Italicum that is like the cream of the crop, for example. So you want to know that. You want to know the variety. And then I tell people to, and then hopefully they have some kind of like analysis or certificate of analysis on the website as well. And then I tell people just to smell, mm-hmm. smell, smell the not great oils, smell oils at the health food store, smell those multi-level marketing ones, and then smell, you know, like a frankincense from Living Libations. Yeah. And then you will know Seriously? right away. <laughs> yeah. You're making me want to smell Like, It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do that at the store. I'd have some, you know, like a, like a pep. Pe- coke pepsi challenge i'd wrap up the other bottles yeah. and then and our bottle and then all you know always they pick our oil oh that's amazing Where in canada is yeah.
1: your uh, property and all that others uh-
2: we're in uh we're in ontario so we're above new york state and about two hours north of the city of toronto okay. Got in an area by muskoka halliburton and yeah. uh it's just filled with thousands of lakes and trees and it's gorgeous oh, like totally happiness yeah. we get we get winter but
1: Well, that's it. Sounds amazing. It sounds like, you know, something I would dream about, but
2: give us maybe a
1: couple of recipes. I know right now everyone's worried about hand sanitizers. Yeah. I've put a few hand sanitizer recipes up, which use like, I believe mine use tea tree and lavender oil with aloe vera and rubbing alcohol. Uh, I'd be curious to know what you're recommending. And then uh, you apparently have a formula for boosting vitamin D, you know, vitamin D in pigmented people like me or even African-Americans doesn't convert really very well from the sun to the skin to the bloodstream, but you've got some answers to that. So talk to us about that given the fact that we're in pandemic
2: world. Yeah, pandemic world. Well, that's a a good recipe for hand sanitizer. You wanna make sure you have 80% alcohol, but instead of rubbing alcohol because that has other issues for the microbiome and stuff, I would recommend just organic vodka. Mm whoa really yeah yeah <laughs> okay. or like orga- whatever, or whatever you know, sanitizer <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, it'll be a little bit more than um, rubbing alcohol but you'll be a lot happier and the hand it'll actually be less drying okay huh. and then um you know there's some some heavy viruses that that essential oils take care of in petri dishes for sure and that has been studied and then you know just, you spray it on it is nice when it's got more alcohol because it's evaporative yes. you know so it goes on really dry but not too drying and then uh i was just having another tip when i forgot it oh just washing hands though oh, yeah. really truly yeah. the soap yeah. does you know get rid of the virus so that's really handy as well yeah
1: absolutely and then what about vitamin d conversion in skin is there a
2: yeah so i don't have a like a formula per se but we make a cream that with vitamin d in it okay and that transdermal absorption yeah. seems to really be do well for a lot of people rather than doing the oral ingestion or if they can't you know spend some time in the sun. Okay. I do think we probably you want to get some sun on your skin because it's a different type of vitamin D that's created. Okay. It's a water soluble vitamin D rather than a fat soluble vitamin D that we get from supplements. And that interaction of sun and skin is really good for the vitamin D receptors, and it also helps us generate our own antimicrobial peptides. And one of the peptides that we create is uh, cathelicidin. Mm-hmm. That those actually show, and one version of that LL thirty seven shows to be very good with um, RNA viruses. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, so vitamin D is definitely a good thing for these times. Definitely.
1: There's so many studies, too, that talk about vitamin D deficiency and poor outcomes yeah. with the virus.
2: We really have, because I really feel like we've kind of been lobbied into this loss of sunlight maybe since the 50s, mm-hmm. kind of as, as a culture around the world. And, you know, we're kind of catching up with understanding that now. It's show, there's over close to 3,000 studies that show that you know, vitamin D deficiency will then bring a whole onslaught of other diseases, you know. And if a mother is vitamin D deficient while pregnant, there are higher chances of her child having juvenile diabetes. It's one of the biggest risk factors. Yeah,
1: I in see creating so yeah. So much is so important for the immune system, for autoimmunity for, for so many different conditions right now. And then lastly, mm-hmm. because this is a show about super women, um, and they're all worried, I know, how they look. <laughs> what is your favorite? beauty recipe when it comes to essential oils especially maybe if women are concerned about hydration and wrinkle prevention
0: Mm -hmm. those type
1: of things is there something you've just seen work
2: yeah I think one of the best things to do is to stop using soap and foaming cleansers to wash our face Mm, okay Because it's aging over time. It's creating age spots and melasma. And now that we have a better understanding of the microbiome, we can now see that those surfactants, that squeaky clean situation that we got going on is actually leaving microscopic splinters in the stratum corneum every time we wash our face, and they're not getting rinsed away. And then over time, that's like aggravating the microbiome, the food supply for the bacteria and all of that. So we kind of want to let the bacteria be our beautician. We want to step out of the way and cleanse with oil. Huh. What's the most yeah. cleansing oil? So when you're cleansing with oil, it's also like been used for long centuries, yeah. you know, a long time. <laughs> and it lifts the dirt. It, it it is so good for the sebum. It helps. It's like friendly with the bacteria. It doesn't disrupt the bacteria's food supply, which I know sounds kind of gross, but we do have bacteria on our face, and they need to eat the stuff on our face. You know what I mean? Like those dead skin cells, that sebum, that's their food. And we can't over exfoliate and bring up those young cells too early because they're too vulnerable to be the first layer Mm -hmm. of skin. So when we wash with oil and again, quality, you know, you can't be using petroleum oil or rancid almond oil or rancid grapeseed oil. I love jojoba, Uh you know, even a high, high quality olive oil. Mm -hmm. Um, we make these things called the best skin ever, and that, that's what that's for: is to cleanse the face with a, you know, variety of essential oils. But you could even just take frankincense and jojoba, and your life would be changed. So you're just washing with the oil; it lifts off, it takes off makeup. You're replenishing the lipid barrier. Mm-hmm. You're you're stopping that vicious cycle of like drying chemicals yeah. put it back in the fake moisture, and like that whole cycle. Right. So, which is really creating like long term effects on our skin it's like so many of our beauty products are literally the opposite of aging mm. and some of those results aren't coming till like 20 years down the road
1: interesting oh my goodness this has been fascinating <laughs> i love this so your book what is the most recent book is it ignite your light no it's the uh, renegade beauty renegade beauty that's right sorry i'm looking at the wrong thing here that's okay renegade beauty. Got- and if someone wants to get a copy of your book or get in touch with you what is the best way for them to do that
2: um, well, we got our site livinglibations.com and the books available there, but of course on Amazon and all of that too. And, you know, social media, Instagram, Facebook, we're all there. And really, truly, we love answering questions. We do free consultations. Bring us your dental questions, your beauty questions, and we'll help you out as much as we can. And- Amazing. I love it. Well, yeah. Thank
1: you for taking the time out to join us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure. And for everyone else who has been watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness, I know you're going to run out and get some essential oils <laughs> right away, but make sure they're a good quality. But thank you for watching this episode. And if you've enjoyed this episode, remember that we are on Spotify as well. Don't forget to rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time.